Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Russ and Kim Klein. Welcome to Russ and Kim and Shekinah Klein. Come on. Come on. Come on, guys. Let's honor them. Let's welcome. Those of you online, come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you all. You can take a seat. Thank you, Pastor Brian. I know we were singing a song, Your Goodness is Running After Me. That's uh, honestly one of my favorite choruses of the moment. I, I, I just find myself coming to tears every time I sing that song because I'm reminded that God's goodness is not based on how good I am, but how good He is. Uh, and He's been so good to us with, with kingdom friends and and so many different ways. You know, Brian, you were talking about how uh, God comes and brings provision. Several years ago, Kim was needing LASIK eye surgery. Uh, she had been wearing contacts from the time you were, what, about nine? Um, hard contacts, and her eyes were beginning to reject them. And this is back in the early days of LASIK when the surgery was just getting started. And Kim's aunt in Kansas City, um, and, and those of you that watch the Super Bowl we're still Kansas City fans, though we hug our head for a moment. Anyway, <laughs> and Kim's aunt in Kansas City happened to be working for the top doctor at that time in developing laser eye surgery. And so she got us an appointment in, but it was going to be $4,300 for the surgery. And we did not have that money. And so we were kind of praying, you know, in the natural. We know that God's our provider, but sometimes we look at the natural things around. And so we were hoping that we would get invited to preach at one of the big churches that we preach at. We were living in Missouri at the time, and there was a church in Missouri. We'd ministered at a few times before, about 20 people. And typically, when we would preach there, the offering was $100. And, you know, bless them, and, and you know, we blessed them, and they, they gave what they could. But um, we got a call from this pastor, and I was waiting for a call from one of the big churches. There's a church in Kansas City of 5,000 people that we go to. But they didn't call. The church of 20 people called. And so as he's on the phone, asking us to come, I'm saying, Pastor, yes, we would do it. And Kim's kind of like, no. <laughs> no, I, I have more faith. But no. <laughs> Anyway, so we went to this church, uh, 20 people, and sure enough, at the end, the pastor handed us a check, and it was $100. But before we walked out of the service, this older lady walked up, and she gave me, she didn't stuff it in my, my uh, coat pocket, but she gave me a Pentecostal handshake. Y'all know what that is, right? You know, a little wadded up piece of paper, a folded up piece of paper. And, and so like any good preacher, when you get a Pentecostal handshake, you don't look at it in front of the person. That's, that's, you know, just uncouth, tactless. So you stick it in your pocket and look at it as soon as the person walks out. Yeah. Uh, so actually, I'd forgotten about it. We got to the restaurant, and but, but here, here's the thing that was so funny. The woman looked at me, and she said, Russ, I've never liked you. I've never liked your ministry. She said, but I could not quit crying all service long. And that's when she gave me the handshake. Well, you know, what do you expect with a lead-in like that? And so we get to the restaurant, and I say, Kim, by the way, some lady that doesn't like us gave me a Pentecostal handshake. And so I, I pulled it out. I opened it up. It was a check for $4,300. <laughs> yeah. 
So if you don't like us, I'll be lined up over here tonight. <laughs> anyway, look, it's, it's always a delight and honor. Brian and Brent, thank you so much for letting us come and hang out with you all. This is the way to, this is the way to do winter. So anyway, we get to hang around in Florida for a few weeks, on from here to Louisiana, uh, Missouri, Iowa, different places. So God's been good to us in so many different ways, but we want to get right into the meat of sharing. Um, when we were here last time uh, in August, we got to share some things that God's been doing, like many different ministries and churches. We were ministering online uh, a few weeks ago. We're working with one of our um, uh, friends, an apostle named Paul I. He led the Assemblies of God in Vietnam for many years, uh, spent 10 years in and out of jail for preaching the gospel. Uh, started, I don't know, five or 600 underground churches in Vietnam. In fact, when he led the Assemblies of God in Vietnam, he would not ordain you to be a preacher with the Assemblies of God unless you met two requirements. Number one, you had to have been thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. And number two, while in jail, you had to start a church there. So it was not about your degrees and your education. It was about do you have the fruit of an apostolic ministry. And so uh, Paul lived, Paul and his wife Ruth live about a mile and a half from us in Hampton, Virginia. And so a few weeks ago, Paul and I were online with about 5,000 Vietnamese pastors in different parts of the world teaching and training in fivefold ministry, especially in the area of the prophetic. And then a few days later, Paul and I got to go online uh, to about 35,000 uh, Asians, especially Vietnamese, many of them in the underground church, and presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're always thrilled for all the opportunities that, that we have. And, um, but over the last you know, year, we have ministered online, Zoom services, parking lot services, a lot of different things. So Shikana's uh, going to catch you up on a miracle we just heard about this past Sunday that God did. And then we're going to sit and share with you a little bit. So, sweetie. First of all, I want to say it's great to be here. I know I say this every time, but I love you guys. Um, so, um, first of all, little miracle report. Um, the last time I was here, I told a um, story about how God gave me a word of knowledge about this woman whose esophagus was paralyzed. Well, we went back to the church um, about a week ago, and she came up to me after service, and she was practically bouncing up and down, really excited to tell me something. And she said that she was completely healed. So, yeah. Tonight, um, the Lord dropped a verse into my spirit. And so the verse that he shared with me is 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Now, there's so many applications that you can use for that. But the one word that actually stuck out to me was yes. And that kind of got me thinking, what can God do with our yes? You know, our yes is so important. Our yes can be used in so many ways. When you say yes to the Lord, you're basically saying yes to your destiny. You're basically saying yes to your future. And you know what? I was actually thinking, I was sitting there and praying about what God wants me to share about the yes. And God dropped three words into my spirit. When you say yes to him, you're saying yes to your eternal savior, yes. 
And I feel like God is, God can use your yes in so many amazing ways. I think even in more ways than we can even comprehend. When we, whenever we say yes to the Lord, even if we don't quite know what we're saying yes to, he can use that yes and multiply it. And whenever it multiplies, it can be multiplied from there and there and there. And so I think one thing that I want to share with you tonight is if you remember anything from what I say, I challenge you for this week, try to push yourself to say yes to the Lord. Whether it's a big yes or a small yes, say yes to the Lord. And I think you'll be amazed at what he can do with that tiny yes whenever you just said yes and obeyed God. Thank you, sweetheart. You can go and take a seat. You know, when she was talking about that, you know, not just the big yeses, but the small yeses. Um, I think that's so important because sometimes we're waiting for the big command of God, the prophetic declaration of our destiny. We'll say yes, but it's God looking for our obedience in the small things, our yes in the small things. Um, we, we, tomorrow evening, we're heading over to Orlando for a few days and, and going to be doing some ministry over there, but, uh, you know, going to hang out. When we first started coming down to Florida years ago, we would go to timeshares and do a timeshare tour to get free tickets or discounted tickets. Anybody ever endure that? Well, have you noticed there's a sales, there's a sales trick salespeople use, and that is they get you saying yes to small things. Isn't the weather beautiful? Yes. Don't you cut coming down the floor? Don't you like going to the, the, the music park? Whatever. Yes, yes. And the more they can get you saying yes, nodding your head yes to the small things, the greater the percentage is that you will say yes to the sale. Any salespeople here? That's true, isn't it? Get people on your side saying yes to the small things so they're ready and prepared to say yes to the big. So, Amen. Say yes, even in the small arenas. What we want to do tonight is a little bit different than typical. Typical, Kim Shekinah will share a, a story, a testimony, a miracle, um, and then we'll, we'll preach. Um, but what we feel we need to do tonight is, especially as a family, to share with you some prophetic thoughts um, in this moment of time, 2020 and 2021. Right, Victoria? Uh, my times are in your hands. Uh, but anyway, um, to share with you some things. And you all that have been immersed in the prophetic, have, have had training in the prophetic, one of the things we learn in prophetic ministry is what's called revelation interpretation application. Have you heard that before? Revelation. What is it that God said? What is the word? What is the impression? What is the vision? What is the dream? That's the pure revelation of God. And we encourage people when we train people in the prophetic around the world is to take that revelation and record it, write it down, you know, verbally record it, somehow get as pure a, a recording of the revelation as you possibly can. But then we need to take that revelation because God speaks in mysteries. And sometimes the word says that it's the honor of kings to conceal, or the, the honor of God to conceal them, the honor of kings to search it out. One of the reasons that God sometimes will speak to us in mysterious ways and in parables is so that we can go on the adventure of seeking out what God is saying. And you know, while it can be frustrating at times, the thing is, at the end of the adventure, at the end of the seeking, at the end of trying to find the understanding of what God is saying, we find the ultimate prize, and that's not just the meaning of the dream. Oh. He is the treasure that we are after. 
And so there's the revelation, the interpretation, but then the application, which is what do I do with this revelation? What do I do with this word? And honestly, I believe that much of the prophetic movement in our nation and throughout the world are having to relearn some of these lessons. They're foundational lessons that we learned back in the 80s when we were being trained in the prophetic. But sometimes we inadvertently and innocently take what is a pure revelation of God and we stamp our theology or our eschatology or our personal opinion on top of those things. Now, I have found this. God is willing to let us have our personal opinions. And let me say this. Prophets are entitled to their opinions. But their opinions don't mean that they're hearing from God. Let me give you a couple quick examples. During the time, and many of you know the story, we could not have children for 17 and a half years. Uh, Kim was not able to conceive. And then a prophetic word in 89, the audible voice of the Lord, a visitation from the Lord in 1990. But we had a promise that God was going to give us a daughter named Shekinah. One of our prophetic mentors, we went to, a well-known name, and we went to this uh, prophetic mentor one time, and we told him the story of the promise of Shekinah. And we were so excited. We were ready for this prophet who prophesied kings and presidents and leaders and babies of some of the top names in the world and all this other stuff. We were ready for him to lay hands and say, Thus saith the Lord. You know what this guy did? He looked at us and said, You don't need a child. He literally looked at us. He didn't say, Thus saith the Lord, but he looked at us and said, A child would get in the way of your worldwide travel. He said, You spiritual children all over the world just like me you don't need a baby so I'm not going to agree with you on that that was crushing but here's what we found out and determined and had to grow in at the time this particular prophetic minister had a uh, difficult negative relationship with his natural son and so he was not putting a thus saith the Lord on it but because he was a prophet it shook our faith for a moment until we learn prophets can have their opinion. That doesn't make it a thus saith the Lord. Without trying to wade into a lot of things um, other than you know, pure kingdom tonight, I can say that I think sometimes, even in the last year and a half, we've had well-meaning prophets that have put an opinion forward, and some of us have taken it as thus saith the Lord. So part of interpretation is to discern between soul and spirit, even when we hear the prophets. All right? And then another uh, quick example of, of a mistake I made one time. So I was prophesying to a lady uh, one time. We had an you know, altar service for prophesying. And I'm going down the line and giving words, and I saw a vision, a picture in my spirit, and it was a picture of a rose. Now, if any of you are into prophetic symbology, you understand that typically a rose means you're going through the thorns of life right now, but bless God, you're going to come out smelling like a rose, and he's the rose of Sharon, and you know, all these things. All right? And there's nothing wrong with that, to understand biblical symbology. But I, I looked at this lady and I said, I see a picture of a rose. And I think God's saying, you're going through the thorns of life right now. You're going to come out smelling like a rose. She was one of these brave souls that in front of the whole congregation said, you're wrong. She said, my name's Rose. <laughs> I had the right revelation. 
But instead of waiting on the Holy Spirit for the interpretation, I just put my knowledge of symbology there and misapplied. So most of the time, misunderstanding, misinterpretation, misapplication doesn't come out of a wrong heart. But I think sometimes there's a pressure. There's a pressure to have to come up with something because everybody else is prophesying or because you're known as a prophetic person. But when we allow pressure to uh, uh, push out the prophetic, that's not pulling on the anointing. That is pleasing man. And so we are learning. The whole church is learning. The prophetic movement is relearning that we need to go through revelation, interpretation, application. So with that in mind, we want to share with you a couple of dreams. In Job chapter uh, 3, it says, God does speak. Now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings to turn them from wrongdoing and keep them from pride, to preserve them from the pit, their lives from perishing by the sword. Now we could take that scripture apart and a great teaching there, but we're not going to go there tonight. What I want to establish is God is a speaking God. And he speaks in a multitude of different ways. The audible voice of the Lord. I've never heard God's audible voice. Kim has six, seven times. One was about Shekinah. Catch us. When her, when her and I were dating, her, she and I were dating in Bible college, she broke up with me twice. Go figure. Because right? now that we're parents of a young adult woman, we don't believe in dating, but courtship. But anyway, <laughs> that's another subject. But um, do you know God spoke to her audibly twice that she had to marry me? <laughs> Pray for Kim. It may be, it may feel to be 37 years, if you can believe that, that we've been married. But there's the voice of the Lord. There's the visionary realm. And Kim is the seer among us. I have the occasional dream and, you know, visions and different things, but, you know, angelic encounters. But Kim is the seer among us. And she has a lot of dreams from God. And so what we want to do, if we can, is share with you two recent dreams that we feel are strategic for where the church is, where our nation is right now. And we're still walking this through interpretation. But would you allow us to walk with you together through some of this? And so, uh, Kim, if you want to sit, stand, however you, but why don't you take the lead on this? And Oh, it's so good being here. It's like coming back to family every time. I love it here. I love it here. In fact, I was praying down there during worship. I said, Lord, if you want us to move here, you got to provide. you got to do this right. And so, you know, that's just my heart. That's my heart here because I love it here. Absolutely love you guys. I just want you to know that. But like Russ said, we're walking through these because I just had these dreams. This is not like something from years ago. These are now words of the Lord that the Lord gave me. And they're actually a little bit in a different direction that God usually speaks to me in dreams. And so we're kind of walking it through thinking, okay, God, what do you mean by this? In fact, during worship, I had something. I haven't even told Russ this. I don't exactly know what God means by this, but I saw during worship, he was enjoying our worship so much, but I looked in his hands, and he was cradling a baby in his hands, 
but it was actually the, a flag of America was draped over his hands. It was like the baby blanket for that baby that he was holding. And I'm not even quite sure what he means by that. But I feel like our nation is still in God's hands. And there are some new things that are going to be birthed. And God is like loving the worship and the praise. And if we look to him, maybe, maybe we can see some things thwarted. The enemies try to throw on us in big ways. I'm not exactly sure what he meant by that, but he showed me that, and it came during that peak of worship that we were in. Well, these dreams that I just had, I will go ahead, I'll kind of half read them and half tell you. I printed them out before we left home in Virginia. And so this is the first dream. So you'll need to really listen closely because there's some key elements, I believe, in the dream. Is um, I saw a dream, and in the dream, Russ was absolutely bone tired, weary to the bone, exhausted, and almost a discouragement on him. And so I watched him and he went into not our regular bedroom. He went into the tiny little space guest room in our house in Virginia. That's where he goes and lays down to take a nap in the guest room. And so he is out like a you know, log. He's just there. He's just so sound asleep. And all of a sudden in this dream, Shekinah and me are shrieking like little girls. And we are running through the house. And we run into that tiny little guest room in our house. And we slam the door shut and just jolted Russ awake. And we were both talking excitedly. Shekinah and I were both talking excitedly in the dream and said, there is something loose in our house. And what we said was this. There is a rat all over our house. There is a badger all over our house. And there is a skunk running around in our house. And we're thinking, what would you, we don't know what to do about this. I mean, they are just taking over the whole house. And here we are now all crammed, the three of us, in that tiny little room, one of the smallest rooms in our home, in the little guest room. And so we're thinking, okay, what are we doing? Because now we have the skunk and the rat and the badger taking over our home. And so we thought, we thought for a minute and thought, okay, um, who do we need to call? But we didn't even have a home phone line in the guest room. And so we pulled out a cell phone. And I just couldn't put in any numbers in it. It seemed like I just couldn't do it. I could not connect. I could not connect with anybody that was really going to help. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to call my father. Now, my father in the natural is like Mr. Fix-It Guy. I have always been his little girl, and he will take care of everything. If you have a problem, call dad. He does it. And so in the dream, I thought, okay, I'm going to type in the, the number I've known. You see, the house that my father still lives in, it is the same house that I grew up in. I moved there when I was two years old. I memorized that phone number as a three-year-old, and so I know that number by heart. And so I typed in or put in the, the, on the cell phone my father's phone number that I had known forever. And Dad doesn't answer the phone. And all of a sudden it clicks, and instead of my dad on the phone, there is this lulling to sleep, beautiful, soft, slow rhythm 
uh, music, like old worship hymns. It's really pretty, but it was like so like when we all get to heaven kind of songs. And I'm thinking, what on earth? Why isn't dad answering? Why am I hearing these things? It's putting me to sleep. And so I was quite confused why dad didn't answer and why instead I'm hearing these lulling to sleep hymns from the past. And so we were trying to figure out, and Russ was there, and you could see the wheels turning in his head. It says, okay, we have got to figure out this because we have got to connect. We have got to connect. And that is when I woke up. Do you want me to go ahead and some of the interpretation, or do you want it? Let's, let's uh, jump back to a couple things here. She said, and I'm reading from what she wrote about this, she said, we seem particularly concerned um, that we would do something to make the skunk feel threatened, causing it to spray us as the people of the house, as well as our furniture and belongings. We thought the stench would be terrible, and that's why we were especially trying to think of ways to get the skunk out of our house without it spraying its noxious odor and causing the three of us to smell bad as well as the furniture and belongings and the whole atmosphere of the house. The badger was roaming the house, and we didn't know what to do about that at all. We were at a loss as how even how it even got into the house. It was not frantic, the badger. It was not frantic. It seemed to somehow know what it was doing as it went room to room. It seemed intelligent in a way that made us shudder with fear. It lumbered about peering into different areas of the house like it was methodically planning something. It was unsettling. But the rat was frantically scurrying all over, knocking things over and causing a mess with its crazy running here and there and everywhere. It made us feel under attack to think of it carrying germs and diseases throughout our home, breaking things and even getting into our food. It was a very unpleasant thought. This was way out of our comfort zone. We three were shoved into this tiny space, as it, and we were frightened, angry, a uh, whole realm of emotions all rolled together. We just knew that we wanted all three of these animals out of our house and out of our lives. They were unwelcome and disrupting everything. All right? So uh, Kim, again, has most of the dreams in our home. Uh, not me or Shekinah a whole lot. Um, but typically, God gives me the interpretation of dreams. You know, Scripture says, uh, and Daniel speaking says, interpretations belong to God. You know that interpreting dreams is not a matter of just getting a, uh, a book of symbols. It comes by the same revelation of the Spirit of God. If you're interested in dream interpretation, uh, some of the greatest that we can recommend is this, the, uh, the books and course by John Paul Jackson. Uh, John Paul Jackson, some of you know who he was. He's passed away now, but Streams Ministries. He was part of the Kansas City Prophets back in the day when we were being mentored by the Kansas City Prophets. And um, I, I, he did a, a survey of the dreamers and Mike Bickles in Kansas City back before IHOP, before all that was around. Back in those days, IHOP was intercession, holiness, offering, or giving to the poor and the prophetic. It was not International House of Prayer. That came later. Um, but John Paul did a survey of all the dreamers in the Kansas City movement, and he developed his training out of that. Kim was one of those that was surveyed in those original dream things. And so uh, we use a lot of uh, John Paul's teaching as well as just then, you know, the, the understanding and practical experience. So here's what I want to look at. We believe that in this dream, our house represented the house of God. The church. In fact, uh, we looked at each other during worship and it said, uh, Brian called this the family room. We're a family. We live in the house. 
You know, in the house you have the kitchen, which is the place where the meal, the bread of life is prepared and served. You have the bedroom, which is the place of intimacy. You have the bathroom, which is the place of cleansing. You know, you have all the different analogies you can bring about it. But the guest room is the place where you put those that you're entertaining for the moment, but you don't want them to have any authority in the kitchen or the bedroom or anywhere else. They're off to the side. In this dream, we believe that I represented the prophetic movement and the prophetic ministry. You know what's happening right now in the church overall in America, especially in the spirit-filled church? You know, and those that have don't receive the fivefold ministry, those who don't believe in the ongoing ministry of the prophetic, a lot of them don't even allow the prophet into the house. But in many of our spirit-filled churches, you know where we've relegated the prophetic? We're embarrassed of them. So we've stuck them into the guest room. We're not, we're not kicking you out of the church. We're not going to throw you out of the, under the bus, but we don't want to hear from you for a little while. We stuck them aside, and here's one of the things that can happen, is when the prophetic is not honored, it's not about honoring and idolizing people, but when we do not honor the gift. Brian was talking about gifts from Jesus. Can you imagine taking a gift? On Christmas Day, your dad, your mom gives you a gift. You don't say, that doesn't look like the gift I want. That's not the package I want. That's the color I want. You're a spoiled, rotten kid when you do that, right? Well, can I tell you, God's going to give you gifts of apostles and prophets and these other ministries, and they're not going to be packaged the way you want them to be packaged. They're not going to wear the kind of, you know, I, I love Brian's boots. I always, I just have, but I mean, you know, they're not always going to be packaged the way. They're not going to have the style you may want them to have. And you know what? It's dishonoring to daddy when we don't receive the gift of these five that he gives us. But there has been dishonor, and I'm not going to wade into. We all have our opinions. We stand in faith. I will say this. Yes, believe God's prophets and you will prosper, but I shudder when there are prophets that are calling curses down on people and say, if you don't believe me, you're going to lose your inheritance. You're gonna... There is a lot of witchcraft right now and manipulation going on on both sides of the defense. So without wading into that controversy, because that's not where we need to go over tonight. We need to understand the prophetic is being put to the side. Why? Because we're afraid the skunk. We're afraid that the, um, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The embarrassment, the um, shame of the smell of the skunk is going to get on us because of the prophetic. So a lot of people are pushing it to the side. So the skunk can be several things Kim's going to share here as well. The skunk can be the fear of not only uh, the shame of the stench, but sometimes we're afraid it's going to stink up the whole atmosphere. You know what I found? Every time something happens in the church that is a shame, that brings disrepute to the name of Jesus, we're so worried that the, the lost are not going to want to come to church anymore, right? Do you know what some people do? They tell the prophets, be quiet for a few months so people will come and get saved. It's called seeker-sensitive, seeker-driven Christianity. We want to silence it, at least for a little bit. We're not going to kick you out, but we're not going to give you the microphone. We're not going to let you uh, help set the atmosphere because it might stink and drive people away and offend. You see, true prophetic ministry is not just telling you how to get rich and famous. In fact, true prophetic ministry is not even predicting the future. 
Revelation 19.10, it's revealing Jesus. Very little New Testament prophetic ministry has to do with predicting the future. It has to do with revealing Jesus no matter what the future. As you see, so there's the, the concern of the disrepute, the uh, offense. True prophetic ministry is going to offend. And I believe it's time for God to give us some offensive prophets. You heard, I think it was Mike Bickle, I heard say it, but others have, God will offend the mind to reveal the heart. What is the rat? Well, on the skunk also, what was ridiculous was Shekinah and I were tiptoeing around the skunk to not make it upset because we didn't want the stink of that dumb skunk in our house. And so we were ridiculous. We were like tiptoeing around, not being able to do anything, trying to not get it upset, trying to just not do anything that would make it upset and make it go off and stink up the place. And, you know, I think that's where we have been in the church somewhat. We have been tiptoeing around, tiptoeing around because we, we don't want to cause a stink. We don't want them to cause a stink, so we tiptoe around so we don't upset them. And I believe God is going to confront us on that a little bit. Okay, and then I guess we'll do the, the rat next. The rat, it was, it was actually just putting a shudder through Shekinah and I because that rat in the dream, it was not even thinking. It was like it didn't even have a brain. It was running, and it was going in every nook and cranny in the house. It was going here and there and everywhere. And all the things, even, even the things that had been in our house for a long, long time, it was just knocking them over willy-nilly here and there, knocking them over and just shattering them on the floor. And then it ran through the pantry. It was going on every shelf, ripping open back bags of noodles or rice or whatever and spilling it out, ruining the food and then crawling through it. And I believe that there is sustenance, sustenance in that food and the rats, the rats or the abominations are trying to poison our supply, our food supply that we give each other and God gives us. As well as rats were the carrier of the plague at one point. And we may have difference of opinion on where uh, the pandemic, pandemic, wherever you stand in all of that is. I believe that regardless of where it initiated, there's a demonic empowering, not only behind the fear, but also behind the virus itself. And, and so we got our rise. But here's something interesting. Um, in 87, Kim and I met Bob Jones and Augustine Alcala and Bill Hammond. And they became mentors in our life. Well, for about 10 years, we traveled with Bob Jones um, and Augustine Akala around America, around the world, being mentored. And then uh, connected with Bill Hammond a year or two later. But um, I remember uh, we were going through a circumstance. I was in uh, the headquarters city of a certain denomination. This is years ago. And I had a chance to preach at a church there. And so I decided it was my chance to tell this denomination what they needed to hear. So I spoke truth, but I laid in. There was no compassion, no grace, no love. Plus, I had no authority to say what I was saying. And the people sitting in the congregation were not the decision makers for this denomination. But I was going to go off being a prophet, bless God, and nail them, you know. Because that's what we used to think prophets did. You know, throw lightning bolts and let God clean it up. And, and so um, I, I made a mess of things. 
and God uh, convicted me. Uh, I, I had to repent. And Kim had a dream. We don't have time to go into that dream now. But one of the characters in this dream that she'd had was a, a rat. There's actually a sign, an angel head, said, don't rat sheep. And we figured a lot of other things out about the dream, but we couldn't figure what that meant. And we were, it was back when uh, Bob and, and his first wife, before she passed away, Viola, they were living up in Chipley, Florida, Panhandle. And so we were getting ready to go preach for Bill Hammond, and we stopped in, and, and uh, Bob and Viola took us to, to lunch. And we were sitting there, and we got back to their house, and we were telling them about the dream. And we said, what does that mean? Don't rat sheep. And Bob took his big old Amplified Bible out and said, turn to Isaiah whatever it was, 60-something, and it was already underlined. And, and it said that, you know how in the Amplified Bible, many times the words uh, will have meaning, and the Amplified actually brings out the meaning to it. The word rat in Hebrew means an abomination. But a rat and a mouse is not only an abomination, it literally means, sometimes in Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but my understanding is sometimes there are words in Hebrew that can sound like another word that means something different, but they're connected, if that makes sense. The word rat means to judge someone by your own thoughts and opinions. So here's what the Lord said to me back years ago through Kim's first dream that had a rat, and Bob interpreted it for us. He said, God is telling you, Russ, do not judge my sheep through your own thoughts and opinions, for it, it, it is an abomination to me. Can I tell you what's going on right now? We are judging one another based on whether we wear masks or not. We're judging one another based on whether we agree with the prophets who apologize or we're agreeing with the prophets who are tripling and quadrupling down. And we're judging one another, our faith, our spirituality, based on that stuff. Can I tell you something? That is an abomination that stinks in the nostrils of God. Who do you think you are to judge somebody else based on whether they believe the prophets or not? You may be very clear and very strong in where you believe. So am I. I've got tons of opinions. You want them? <laughs> but you see, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you think and I think. It matters what God says. And we are his sons and daughters. It's not my job to straighten you out. It's his job. And so I could go on and on about this, but there is an abomination in the house of God that's silencing the true prophets of God. And then the badger. If you. The badger was quite interesting. It was different than the other two animals that were taking over our house. The badger was actually seemed very intelligent, almost like it really wasn't an animal. And it was going into every little place. It was going into the closets. It was going in over here into this little area that nobody really goes into. And all the different, it was, it was scouting out. It was scouting out the house with an intelligence to see where it was going to plan its attack. You could see that, and that one was the scariest of all in the dream because it wasn't just like an animal running willy-nilly. This is like some intelligent creature that is scouting out an attack plan. And the Lord spoke to me and said afterwards, because I'm thinking, Lord, what does that mean? And the Lord says that badger represents harassing spirits. 
badgering spirits, harassing spirits. And I believe that shows the spiritual side of what is happening here in our church and here in the nation. It's the badgering, the harassing spirits are trying to take over. And they're scouting out, and they're quite intelligent about it. These intelligent creatures are trying to scout out how they can plan the best attack to bring down most people. This is a spiritual battle, isn't it? It may manifest politically, culturally, many other ways, but this is a spiritual battle. Regardless, my own opinion, regardless of what happened or happens in D.C., as we're believing, praying, all the other things, if there's not a heart change in the nation, we're going to be right back here two or four years from now, and it could be worse. It's going to take a heart change, not just a political change. So there is a spiritual warfare against an enemy who's not stupid. He's defeated, but he's not stupid. And then we're calling her dad. Let's, let's move on to the... Okay, quick. Yeah, and so I looked up today as I was, I was over in our place. I was looking up today, and there are two scriptures in the Bible actually about badgers. I didn't know that. And um, one of them was in Proverbs 30, and it says, Badgers are creatures of little power yet they make their home in the crags, in the rocky places. Remember the story of the the good soil and the rocky soil? You know where these demonic, harassing spirits find place? In our hardened hearts. The hardened places of our life. Where we have not uh, broken up the ground, you know, fallow the the ground as, as repentance comes, as conviction comes. And the other scripture that I found today was this. And it talks about, um, in Numbers 4, it talks about, well, you know, Pastor Brian was talking about the tent of meeting. And this is what it was talking about, actually. I I was surprised when he was saying this because I just read about this. And when it was time to journey and to take down the tent of meeting and take it to a different place on their way to the promised land, it was time to journey. It was time to go forward again. They took the Ark of the Covenant and they covered it with with badger skins that's what it did and it brought up to my mind was this you think about the story of david and goliath okay david kills goliath through god's power of course but he doesn't just leave it there he cuts off their head he cuts off his head and so how do you get a, a badger skin you have to kill it you have to kill it. And these, these guys there in the wilderness, what they do, they skin those badgers. And it's like God had a victory, and it wasn't just a little victory. It was a big, and so you have it over the Ark of the Covenant. You have it covered with badger skins showing the victory of the Lord. Trophies of war. Holding up the head of Goliath. <laughs> Amen. Okay, we called in the dream. We didn't know what to do. At least we didn't think we did, so we called Dad. You know what? We couldn't reach him. In the natural, her dad just disconnected that phone number and went to just cell number. That number no longer works. Part of it could be, and I hope you're hearing not just what we're saying. I hope God's speaking to you. Some understanding. In fact, we'd love some of your feedback, you know, uh, messages sometimes, some of what God's showing you about the meaning of these things. But um, many times we try to go back to yesterday. The hymns are, nothing wrong with hymns, 
But the hymns represent doing things the way we used to do, trying to go back to the old normal because we don't want to face the battle and the adventure of the new. And so we're going back. We're trying to call yesterday's ways of doing things who is placating. And there are a lot of leaders today that were fathers and should be fathers in the faith. Instead of taking on the enemy, they're trying to placate the culture, placate the nation by compromising truth. It's not her dad, but that is what those in the past have done. And so we could not reach that. I think what God's saying is this. Do not go back to the past and the ways of the past. Don't think that you don't have the wisdom arise because I'm going to give you the understanding of how to take the house back. Now, amen. Okay, now we're going to, we're going to move on to the second dream in a moment. I understand, we understand that by and large that's not victory. But would you all agree this is much of what's happening in the American church? Would you stand with me for a second? And would you pray for the church in this nation to not be ashamed of the prophets? Would you pray for the prophets to not fall asleep in the season they're not being honored or they're being thrown under the bus? Lift your voice with me for a moment if you would. Father, we thank you that the house belongs to you. We are the family of God. We are the body of Christ, but we are the house of your presence. And God, there are many in the house of your presence in our nation and even nations throughout the earth that they've become embarrassed and ashamed of the prophetic voice. And so they've tried to sideline it. They've tried to put it in the guest room. They've tried to say, you don't belong in the rest of the house. We won't kick you out, but we don't want your voice right now. And God, there are those that have a true prophetic word. Maybe they didn't prophesy an election victory one way or the other. Maybe they didn't prophesy about the virus. But God, there's a whole slew of prophetic voices that you're bringing forward in this day to get the church back on focus of Jesus Christ. Lord, to bring clarity cleansing to your church from the skunk and the rat and the badger. So God, bring forth your prophets. Raise up your prophets, oh God. Raise up a prophetic people, oh God. Lord, that we may be a people that will hear and declare the word of the Lord. God, we pray that you would arise and cause the fear of offense to be driven from our midst, oh God. Lord, that you will arise and forgive us for judging one another by our own thoughts and opinions, for it is an abomination that taints the very word that we bring, oh God. So, Lord, release your forgiveness as we arise and say we will give the rat no place in our hearts. And God, we pray that you would arise through your church, that we would put our head on the our heel on the head of the serpent. We will cut off Goliath's head. And Lord, we will have a testimony. We overcame. And here is the proof that we overcame. For God, that which the enemy meant for evil in our nation, you will turn it around for good. And God, we will be able. God, the day is coming. We will be able to look back to November 3rd and January 6th and January 20th and other key dates and say what the enemy meant for our nation's destruction. God turned it around for our salvation. <laughs> yes, God. Let your glory fill the house. In Jesus' name. Take a seat, please. Kim.
The second dream is, sure. It's going to take 30 seconds, and I'm giving it right back to Kim. Take a hand. Lord, we commit to you. We commit to you not to participate in the civil war happening in the church right now. That, Lord, convict us to be a people that continues to point people only to you. Let us point people only to the face of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, the second dream is actually overtly political, so I hope I, you know, I hope you guys are all right with that. So, yeah, this is okay. We, yeah, I remember. Yeah, and so um, I had this dream two days after I had the dream about the rat and the skunk and the badger. This is the second dream two days later. Okay. Um, I dreamed that I got an official-looking notice from Nancy Pelosi. Now it concerned me immediately when I opened this heavy cardstock, formally sealed document and saw that it was from Nancy Pelosi and her office staff. It felt like a punch in the gut and anxiety flooded me. This very official looking document said that I had her vehicle in my possession and now she wanted it back. This document felt very sinister and threatening, almost like I would be arrested on the spot if I didn't willingly comply immediately. In the dream, I remember being puzzled and disturbed. What was Nancy talking about? I didn't know that I had any vehicle that belonged to her. Surely I would know if I had this vehicle in my possession, wouldn't I? I then went out into a parking lot and found what looked like an abandoned neglected car. It was a very, very large white four-door sedan. And I immediately knew that this was the vehicle that Nancy was talking about from the document. The maintenance had not been kept up on this vehicle. It had not been moved from this parking space for ages and had a musty odor. There were rust spots on the car that had, been taken, that had never been taken care of while it sat parked in this lot. I didn't even know that it was there for my use. And now this neglected white car is sitting there pitiful with dirt spots on it and rust spots on it, just sitting in the same place, never even being moved. Bewildered, I went back inside and picked up the document. And I looked at it more closely. This official looking document, there were two lines of letters and numbers and then a place for me to sign my name, to sign it over to her. The first line of letters and numbers began with three capital letters. Now, the whole line of numbers and letters after it seemed like a big cryptology almost thing because it was so big. But the, what was really focused on was the three letters that began that huge line of that tricky looking line of numbers and letters that was to totally supposed to confuse us, I guess. And um, it, it had in... P-R, and then that line, and then that line. And then the string of letters and numbers started at one side of the page and took the entire space of the line that it was typed on. The second line was much shorter. It began with the capital letters C-A, and then only had six numbers following it. 
I picked up a hand, pen, but my hand was trembling and something was stopping me from signing this document. I thought about it and put the pen down without signing it. Now that I knew this vehicle had been in my possession, I wanted to start using it and not give it away to Nancy. How could I have been so oblivious and not even know this car had been setting out in the parking lot for me to use at any and all times? I was frustrated with myself for being this careless, and now I wanted to make it right and start driving it all over the place. Why didn't I know about this vehicle before? So, many of you know that vehicles and dreams and visions tend to represent our vehicle of advancing the kingdom. Right, the methodology, the authority, the way that God works through us. But this car belonged to a government leader. God has given the church a vehicle of government authority that by and large, I know their pockets, including you all, but by and large the church didn't even realize we had the vehicle of kingdom government authority to bring difference in our physical government. And the church had possession of this vehicle, but now, to get very blunt about it, Jezebel wants it back. We're going to get into some of the other meanings here in just a moment. But you see, there's fear, there's intimidation. If you don't do this now, give up your, your possession of this car now, the fear, you could be arrested right on the spot. The enemy is coming quickly for the church to try to silence us, shut us down. So Kim was about in the stream ready to sign, but she said, no, I will not. So there is a vehicle of kingdom governmental authority that the church across our nation needs to awaken to. And not just try to get in a broken down vehicle. We need to repair the vehicle. Sometimes we try to do things with a broken down vehicle, a broken down understanding of kingdom government. But God is going to bring in, is bringing understanding of kingdom vehicle government. So what do these different things mean? Again, hopefully you'll see a lot of other things here that we're not. We're still walking through this. So I hope it's okay to work through it together with you. So please, Kim, what are you? Yeah, so I, I didn't know what a lot of it meant. I did realize that that vehicle that was sitting out in the parking lot, totally no maintenance at all, had started rusting and getting dirty and everything else. And that was not right. We need to do something about that. We need to bring back the purity because it was a white vehicle. It needs to be back purely white again, purely pure again. And so that was it. But now it didn't seem like it was, it mattered so much, the long string of numbers and letters, although it seemed very tricky. It seemed very tricky like, like um, we were trying to be tricked out of it. There's no way anybody could crack that code kind of a thing. And it started out. Deception, confusion, the spirit of government, the spirit of Jezebel that tries to work to confuse even the saints of God, Right. And so I'm thinking, okay, what does NPR mean? Because that was focused on in the dream. I think, okay, I just pulled out my computer to find out what NPR might stand for. And it pulled up two things on my computer. The first one was NPR stands for the National Public Radio. 
But you see, it was established a long time ago as an act of Congress. It's paid for with tax dollars, our dollars, and it's very liberally-minded media. And you know the NPR, this liberally-minded thing that we're paying for with tax dollars, they reach 60 million people a day. Because it's not just radio, because when it started, it was a radio thing. But now it's every kind of media on the computer, on the TV, on everything. It takes in all the realms of media. And that was what she was basing her authority at taking that car was through the media. The NPR, National Public Radio. I think I heard, uh, again, Mike Bickle say the other day, uh, he believes the... The media is a manifestation of the spirit of the false prophet. And then there was a second thing that I found on the computer about NPR. And this was quite interesting. I never heard of this before. NPR was formed on March 3rd, 1993 by President Bill Clinton. And it's the National Partnership for Reinventing Government. That is the name of the program, the NPR program, National Partnership for Reinventing Government. And I was absolutely blown away when I found out that, I mean, there's actually a thing in progress, an NPR, that reinvent the government, take it away, and let's just do it our way. And I don't have to tell you where the Clintons are involved. You see... The spirit of Jezebel is operating through media, through governmental organizations, through many different things, and wanting the church to relinquish, saying, you're insurrectionist, you're this, you're that, and wanting to silence the church and say, we're taking back the authority you had. That's what the devil is trying to do right now. Tell about the CA. Now, NPR is Nancy Pelosi, but I'm not sure what the R stands for, so she's not Republican. Anyway. Uh, I hadn't even thought about that, the NP part. But um, CA. Now, yeah, I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, California, that, you know, wow. Okay, but CA, actually, it meant the thing that popped up very first on everything I looked up, a CA is what is called a certificate authority. You know, this authority. This certificate of authority that I just received in the mail, that parchment, so it's supposed to look very official somehow. And in cryptology certificate authority or certification or certification authority, it issues certificates which certifies ownership to the name on the certificate. That's what a CA means. It uses codes to authorize and legalize ownership. And so I'm thinking to myself, here I get this certificate in the stream, the certificate, and what does it do? It uses codes and cryptology to try to get you to sign over your rights, basically, is what a CA is. And then I took it, you know how dreams will mean something to somebody that it doesn't mean anything to anybody else? When I thought of CA, the thing that popped in my mind was, I was a proud CA. I grew up in the Assemblies of God. And when I was young, our youth group, it was all called the Youth Department, and the Assemblies of God was called Christ Ambassadors, CAs. And so we, I mean, we sang the theme song every time before the meetings. 
We are Christ ambassadors. I still know every word of that, even though that's dorky. But, um, you know, I know all of it. And see, the thing was, the thing was, I was a, it was like energizing the youth to go out and take the world on for Jesus. In fact, the big thing about a CA was this. We had a mandate that we were supposed to raise up money for missions for the one sole purpose of buying vehicles for missionaries overseas. And so what we did, we raised thousands of dollars every year. My, my youth work itself, I mean, we would raise thousands and thousands in the Kansas City area to buy vehicles for those doing the work in different places in the world. And I think that was pretty interesting, but I was a proud CA, so I can see that twist on it as well. Plus, an ambassador, of course, is a governmental position. Amen. So do you all see where this is going? The church has got to take back kingdom governmental authority, and we will not cede it to Jezebel. We will not cede this back. We will not declare defeat. Because we are driving the vehicle. God has put it in our possession. Stand with me for a moment. Father, forgive your church for ignoring the kingdom vehicle of government. And we declare that we will not, your church in this nation will not cower away. We will not back up. We will not be intimidated. God, may you arise with that spirit of the prophets like Elijah, like Elisha, like Jehu. God, arise that, Lord, we would not just yell against Jezebel, but God, that Jezebel would be dethroned and deboned by the dogs. God, we pray that your church would begin to exercise governmental authority in the heavenly realm that will manifest in the natural. And Lord, we ask you to silence the mouth of the spirit of NPR. And all that it represents, the false prophet, cause your true prophetic church to arise that our nation may hear the voice of the true word of the Lord. And God, we will not give our signature on the certificate of authority giving away the vehicle. Father, we thank you. Take a seat with me for a moment. Kim, thank you for sharing. I'm going to close out with sharing just a few things. I, I trust that you understand this is not meant to be. You guys are recording. Can I come down here or do I need to stay up here? Okay. <laughs> Many of us talk about, and one of my favorite characters of Scripture has forever been Elijah. When I was 17 years old, um, a friend gave me a book. He recognized the prophetic call in my life. And it was by a couple, John and Paula Sanford. They wrote a book called The Elijah Task, A Call of Today's Prophets. Their son, R. Lawrence Sanford, is not as well known as some are, but a prophet of God. And um, I, I, I've loved the story of Elijah. But as I began to research, and many of you know this, Elijah confronted Jezebel, Ahab, the false prophets. There was the demonstration. And please understand, the fire that came from heaven was not a fire of judgment. It was a fire of demonstration. We're not calling for the fire of God's judgment. Now, 
I don't know if I told you this in August or not. We have a drug house across the street from where we live in Hampton. Okay? And I may have told you how in the midst, and thankfully since the FBI bust a few months ago, there hasn't been any gun fair, the gun, gun play, but they're, they're, they're still living there. And in the natural, I just want to say, shatter the teeth of the wicked. God, uproot them and destroy them. And God got a hold of me one time as I was praying, and he said, Russ, Jesus died for them too. And I had to start praying, God, you love them. Reveal Jesus to them. Turn their hearts. Change their hearts. Rescue them, oh God. Arrest their hearts from the fires of hell. And then I add in, but God, if they don't turn, shut out the teeth of the wicked, you know. <laughs> Do you know how we ought to be praying for some of that we consider enemies of the cross in our nation? Can we pray? Jesus, you love them. Reveal yourself. Now, God, if they won't turn, you know, Haman, you know, you, you understand. But there's got to be that place of the compassion of God and giving them an opportunity. Elijah confronted the false prophets, and there was a great victory, but Eli, or, or Jezebel and Ahab were not unseated from the throne. He raised up a spiritual son, Elisha. Elisha not only had a double anointing, he did the same thing Elijah did. He had a school of the prophets. I don't have time to unpack all this. Maybe you've looked at this already. Elisha raised up a school of the prophets, one of Elisha's spiritual sons, one of Elijah's spiritual grandsons, anointed a king named Jehu. And you remember when and said, you who are the co-conspirators of the Jezebelic spirit, throw Jezebel out. That's what I've been praying. God, let there be whistleblowers. Let the very ones behind the scenes serving the Jezebel spirit in our nation turn and throw her out. Now, I'm not talking about an individual person here. I'm talking about a spirit. But it was not Elijah that got rid of Jezebel. It was the sons and daughters. What were you singing earlier about the miracles, the generation to come? You see, so many of us are so focused on the generation, mainly of older prophets, though a few young ones in there, that declared a certain electoral outcome. And while we're praying and believing that God could do anything, God is saying, don't just lean on the fathers. Don't just call the number of the fathers. But God, raise up a generation of prophets and kings and leaders who will do more than just prophesy and have a sign from heaven, but they will actually unseat and defeat Jezebel in our nation. And so, last night, as we were privileged to be at the banquet uh, with the volunteers and wonderful time together, Pastor Brian brought a message about the towel that Jesus used to wash the disciples' feet, the spirit of being a servant. Just a few days ago, and Brian didn't know this, I didn't know he was going to be sharing that, just a few days ago I had a vision. And I saw the mantle of Elijah falling from heaven. And isn't that what we want? We say, God, let the mantle of yesterday fall and let this generation grab yesterday's mantle, strike the water and say, where now is the Lord, God of Elijah? We love that concept of power, of authority. But here's how the Lord showed it to me in a vision. As I watched that mantle fall and Elisha in this vision pick it up, it turned into the towel that Jesus used to wash his disciples' feet. And I felt the Lord say, the authority 
to unseat Jezebel will be given to those that love their nation, that will serve. That doesn't mean we serve Jezebel. We serve God in the midst of a Jezebelic culture. But we've got to love and serve Jesus when he operated in power, it says he looked on the crowds and had compassion on them. That's when the healing was released. I love signs and wonders and miracles. I love the fullness of the Spirit of God. I've been preaching for the last year. The hope for a world in turmoil is a Spirit-filled church. And I love all that comes with being Spirit-filled. I love praying in tongues. I love praying in the Spirit. I don't know about you, there have been different times in my Christian walk when my prayer life has been taken to another level. There's been a fresh revelation, a fresh touch of prayer and communion with God. Well, that happened a few months ago. Um, you may have been at the conference, but it was uh, Tim Sheets, Dutch's brother. And it was uh, at his church in Ohio. Ohio? Is that where he pastors? And um, I was watching. I didn't get to watch much of the conference, but Tim Sheets said something that literally lit my prayer life on fire. He said, and I love the way he approaches. I don't know if you've, you've dealt with this before or not, if you, you heard him say this. He said, I'm not bringing doctrine here, but here's a thought. He said, when man was created, Adam and Eve were created by God in the garden, he gave them a dominion mandate. We understand that, correct? Dominion not being ruling people, but ruling over creation, over the atmosphere of earth. Why to serve people? Because the authority comes to those who have his heart to serve those around us. And Tim Sheet said, when God gave them dominion authority, he also gave them a language to express that dominion. We don't know what they spoke in the garden. Maybe in English, Spanish, German, Hebrew. More than likely, it was a heavenly language, not learned by man, but given by God. And so they had dominion. But then catch us, a very... Strange story, there came a time when man, all speaking this dominion language, decided to build a tower to reach God. And a very strange scripture, confusing scripture if you will, God said, if we don't stop them, nothing they set their mind to is impossible. Wrestle that around theologically. Dominion, man with God's dominion, even fallen man with the dominion authority and dominion language, nothing would be impossible. So how did God stop man from exercising dominion out of evil? He confused their language. He took away the language of dominion and gave them human language. But then Tim Sheet said, what happened on the day of Pentecost? You know what happened? God restored heavenly language. It may not be the exact sounds they uttered in the garden, but when we pray in tongues, when we pray in the Spirit, it is with dominion authority from heaven itself. <laughs> and that has revolutionized my prayer life. I've always, I mean, I got filled with spirit nine years old. I pray in the Spirit all the time. But I find myself constantly praying in tongues when I'm not doing something else or even when I am doing something else. So I encourage you, get the heart of God. Grab a hold of the mantle of, of, of prophetic authority to unseat Jezebelic spirits. Pray in the spirit. Pray in tongues with dominion authority and dominion language. And then one final thought. Um, I, I, this just all came to me on Wednesday night. 
before we left Virginia to come here. When I, um, I'm 50, next month I'll be 58, about what, 21 days, 22 days, whatever. I'll be 58 years old. I started preaching on the streets when I was 15. That's how I started in ministry. I was a street preacher. So I'd go with a 10-foot cross and stand on the street corner and raise my voice and rail, you know. And I, I was a street preacher. I would go to, uh, um, you know, where I lived. So I'd go to Virginia Beach and Buckrow Beach and Hampton, downtown Newport News where the drug dealers and pimps and prostitutes were. And, and that's how I cut my teeth in ministry. So it was Teen Challenge in New York City with David Wilkerson for weeks. It was Chicago and L.A. and New York and London and Warsaw, Poland, all over the world. And I trained people. I trained people how to share their faith. And we had the Romans Road, you know, take them through of the gospel. We had ABC, admit, believe, confess. We had the four spiritual laws. And man, I was good at getting people to say a prayer. Because I would not let up until they said the prayer to get away from me. My heart was sincere, but here's what I found is, I, I, I don't know very many of them actually encountered a living God. And Kim and I, it was our first anniversary. We were students in Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. For our first anniversary, we went to St. Louis. Went to the zoo at St. Louis. So as we walk in the zoo, there's a, um, a Mooney standing there. Anybody remember the Moonies? You know, so he had the shaved head back before it was cool to be shaved head. And, you know, so he had the shaved head. He had the, the you know, the sheet robe and, and sandals and a rope tied around him. But see, I had taken a class in Bible College called the Colts. And I learned how to theologically destroy a cult member's theology. Our anniversary so romantic, I spent an hour and a half destroying this man's theology. I had the Mooney so mad at me, he was screaming and yelling. He lost his transcendental peace, you know. <laughs> but you know, when I walked away from that man, I'd won the argument. But I lost the soul. You see, evangelism is not just confronting people with facts about God and getting to repeat a prayer, a mental acquiescence, say, yes, your argument's better than mine. It's an encounter with the living, loving God. And that takes more than programs of evangelism. I'm not against programs. But God, I believe, is restoring. And we're going to talk about this very briefly. God's restoring peer evangelism. That's friendship evangelism. Where it's not an assignment. We go out and we're going to go for an hour. We're going to pray for an hour. We're going to go for an hour. You know, and you're going to get a word and you know, get somebody healed and then you know, quickly say a prayer. I'm not against that. But even in signs and wonders evangelism, sometimes we're more focused on the healing than the soul. The prophecy than the changed life. I'm saying I did this for years. I taught it for years. Friendship. People are not an assignment. They are loved by God, and we need to love them. There's peer evangelism. There's provision evangelism. Wasn't a week or so ago, you all were feeding people, meeting people at the point of their felt need and provide. You've heard it before. Don't tell me God loves me until you show me you love me. Provision evangelism. Programs, peer evangelism, provision evangelism. What about power evangelism? Signs and wonders and miracles. Jesus healed the sick and then said, follow me. I mean, in provision, he multiplied the food. 
How many of you would like that anointing next time you have a feeding program? Multiply the food. Power evangelism. Signs and wonders, miracles. You are going to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And I love this. Or somebody said it years ago. Miracles are God's dinner bell for salvation. When I get to go to India and different places and I preach to thousands upon thousands of people sitting in a field, 30, 40,000 people declare Jesus, Savior, healer, baptizer, deliverer. And then we release a prayer of healing. Demons scream. People get up and walk that have been lame but blind begin to scream because they can see the deaf ears are open, leprosy healed. Not because we're anything, he's everything. And yet when you, when you see that and give an altar call, thousands run to give their life to Christ. Not because I had a great altar call message. Not because I had an emotional, pulled on the emotional heartstrings. But because they saw the demonstrated power of Almighty God. And this can happen one-on-one as well as crusades. There's power evangelism, prophetic evangelism. Jesus is having a conversation with a woman at a well. He's thirsty. Ma'am, can you get me a drink of water? Well, sir, I can, but it's not really politically correct for a Jewish man to talk to a Samaritan woman when I'm by myself. And, uh, and Jesus said, that, that's right. Uh, you know, that, it would be better if your husband were here. Why don't you call your husband? How many of you know Jesus was being led by the Spirit in his conversation? Why don't you call your husband? Well, sir, I'm not married. <laughs> Dog, all right, you're not married. Been married five times. You're living with a guy that's not your husband right now. But he didn't say it with condemnation. He said it with love. And because of a prophetic revelation of her sin. See, some prophets and prophetic evangelism would tell you God never reveals sin because we're under grace. You can't get saved and repent if you don't realize you're sinning. And a sinner. (laughs) Anyway, revelation of her sin and the love of God. Not only her, but many in the town became followers of Christ. Prophetic evangelism and lastly, presence evangelism. You remember when Peter's shadow fell on the sick man and he was healed? I can't prove this theologically, but I don't believe that was a gift of healing. I don't believe it was a gift of faith. I don't believe it was a working of miracles. I believe it was the presence of God. I believe he walked in such overflowing of the presence of God. Everywhere he went, people were drawn, people were touched. Can you imagine not just people coming into the midst of a house of his presence, But we take his presence out there and the very atmosphere of our city begins to change. Where we live in Hampton, Virginia. That's where, uh, you know, the first settlers came that landed at Virginia Beach and Hampton and landed and and settled in Jamestown, Virginia, 1607. It's where a lot of bad things happened. The first slaughter of Native Americans happened 15 minutes from our house. The first African slaves were brought to Fort Monroe 15 minutes from our house. You know, a lot of bad things. But in the midst of all of that, there were people coming to this land that were coming to worship God. And you know, in colonial history documented, Hampton was called the Harbor of Holiness. You know why? Because people, imperfect people like me and you, dedicated this new land to God. And you know what would happen? Sailors, ships would come from Europe. They'd come into Hampton Harbor. The Spirit of God would fall on the ship with no preacher, no music. The Spirit of God would fall on the ship and hardened sailors would fall on their face and repent. I believe that's what God wants to do in America. That's what God wants to do through you. Being a house of his presence. I love coming here, the presence of God, the joy, the shofars, the banners. I love all of that. But most of Sarasota is not here. 
They're out there. You are the house of his presence. And so, no more prophetic thoughts. Grab a hold of what God's speaking to you. But I want to challenge you as a church. This is the year, this is a season that we focus on the kingdom of God. All the other things are great, but I believe his presence will change the heart of our nation. And the heart of our nation will change even the decisions our people make and who they put in leadership because it's not a mental battle. It's a spiritual battle. Stand with me, if you would. Kim, should kind of come join me. Thank you all for your indulgence of time. I know it's been a different way than normally we go, but you are a people that love God's word, love God, his presence, revelation. So, Father, we thank you. God, we know that you are speaking to a multitude of people all throughout the world, all throughout your church. God, there is an abundance of revelation. But sometimes, Lord, we do not understand and we don't know what to do with it. And God, we pray that you would mature your church, that we don't throw somebody under the bus because they seem to miss something or throw somebody under the bus and accuse them because they apologize for something. God, let us be more mature than that. God, let us not be people that are so quick to judge somebody that thinks differently than us, especially when they're of the household of faith. Lord, we believe truth is the standard, righteousness, justice. But God, they're your sons and daughters, not ours. Lord, we pray that there would be a release of the spirit of prophecy. God, I'm I'm just going to say this. God, forgive us for scouring the internet for the next prophetic revelation. God, we have become consumers of prophecy and Lord we're willing to throw money at whoever has the prophecy that we want for the moment and that has prostituted the prophetic gift in America I'm not calling any prophet a prostitute we've prostituted the prophetic gift by seeking after trying to make famous those who are saying what we want to hear God forgive us for making prostitutes out of prophets Redeem your prophets, O God. Heal your prophets, O God. God, we pray for every prophetic voice in our nation. God, there are some that feel under attack. There are some that are hurting. There are some that are confused and they're afraid to show it, O God. There are some that are angry and trying to defend their own livelihood and their own reputation. God, we ask that all of your prophets, Lord, all of us, whether we believe we're right or not in our prophecies, let us all humble ourselves. God, put pastors and apostles and spiritual fathers and mothers in the lives of orphan prophets. I hope you can pray this along with me. There is a generation of orphan prophets that have a platform in America, and they're hurting, and they're acting out of orphan spirit, whether it's one expression or the other, running from their prophecy or doubling down. God, much of it is out of not faith. It's out of hurt. It's out of anger. It's out of orphan hearts. God, raise up fathers and mothers for the prophets. I'm serious, guys. I've been at this for a long time, and I know what it is to try to prophesy out of needing to prove that I belong. But what we need is prophets that are sons and daughters first before they're prophets. God, heal your prophets. 
God, let them know they're welcome in the house. They're celebrated in the house. (laughs) And God, may your prophets awake and declare your word in this moment of time. God, we've already prayed, but we pray again. God, may the church never cede our authority to the Jezebelic spirit. And God, may we take the towel of service which will bring the authority to unseat the kingdom of darkness. God, give us tears of love. Years and years ago in a conference in Kansas City, Paul Cain began to prophesy and he said, the thing missing from the American church is the gift of tears. God, give us a gift of tears again. Tears over broken people. God, let us hurt with those who hurt. Let us weep with those who weep. God, let us feel. Jesus, you took the, the, our, our, our uh, burdens and, and all these other things. We cast them on you. But God, let us be willing to, like Jeremiah, share in the burden of the Lord and be weeping prophetic people. And God, may we arise out of that, that, that anointing of the Spirit of God to not only war in tongues, but God, to arise for the very reason the baptism in the Holy Spirit was given. Acts 1.8 is that we would be empowered. Brian said it earlier, dunamis, dynamite. That we would be empowered to be witnesses. May this be a year, not only in in victory, but God in Sarasota, in America, throughout the nations. May this be a year of great harvest of souls. And as souls are saved and transformed, we, your church, will arise and transform our culture from the bottom up instead of waiting from the top down. We bless you. We pray, God, that you will give us godly leaders. But may we not depend on what happens in D.C., in executive or legislative or judicial. God, it is going to be from the grassroots out of your house. It's not about the White House alone. It's about your house. So fill us, oh God, and make us a witness. The Holy Spirit, over these next moments, Would you speak personally into every life? This is not about how many people we can call out. This is about each one of us hearing the voice of the Lord for ourselves. So God, we take the prophetic part of our life out of the guest room and we welcome it into the main part of our life. Let revelation flow. And God, if there are key things, specific things that you have for us to share prophetically here at this moment in this service, Holy Spirit, speak with clarity. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Kim, Shekinah, if you all feel something specific or an individual or kind of call, then let me know that. What I do want to pray two or three times in the years we've been coming here, we prayed for those who are called to the prophetic, but I feel especially to pray for those that are called, we're all called to win souls, aren't we? Who wins souls is wise. But see, just like in the prophetic, we need prophets among us that break open the heavenly realm and the revelational realm. 
We need evangelists among us. Not just ones that are going to grab a microphone and scream and holler, but ones that they lead the way by being soul winners. If you sense that the call, and I'm not talking about how you earn your living. I'm saying you sense that the call and the burden of a soul winner, an evangelist is on you. Wave at me. Would you all come and stand with me here for just for a quick moment? Those that have your hands lifted. We want to pray very specifically. As you're coming, here my heart in this. I was a street preacher for years. Mardi Gras, Indy 500. I mean, I stood on the street corners. I cast out devils, all, all these other things on the streets. But here's what happened. Let me, let, me, let me tell you the distraction of the prophetic. I was a street preacher for years. I wanted souls. But all of a sudden, God released the prophetic. And I started prophesying. We started having words of knowledge. All of a sudden, pastors, when they had us come, they didn't want us to give altar calls and preach. They wanted us to line the whole congregation up and give everybody a word. And I'm not saying that was wrong in and of itself. But can I tell you, I allowed the prophetic and the move of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, to become an end unto themselves. Does that make sense? God was still moved, and my heart was still for God, but I got so enmeshed in giving a word that I forgot to give the call. The gifts of the Spirit are to reveal Jesus, not so we can have a Holy Ghost meeting. Holy Ghost, hold down. Holy Ghost party, greater party. The party never stops. I don't know. I can't do it like Clinton did. The Holy Spirit was given that we may be a witness. Would you lift your hands, those of you that feel that call of an evangelist or soul winning or evangelism strong upon you. God, there are so many different types of soul winners and evangelists. God, there are those for children, those for young people, those international. There are one-on-one evangelists. There are crusade evangelists. There are prophetic evangelists. There are signs and wonders evangelists. There are friendship evangelists. There are those one that have the gift of mercy and giving and helping. God, there are deliverance evangelists. God, there's so many different. And so, God, we will not be a carbon copy of one another. We will not be in competition with one another. But, Lord, you're raising up an army of men and women and young people that will be at the forefront of winning souls. God, we pray that you would release the word in their mouth. God, they will be a herald. They will be an evangel. They will open their mouth and the ringing bell of, of, of evangelism will come forth. God, some of these, they will open their mouth and they will find that people begin to listen that have never listened before. God says, keep speaking because the ears that have been deaf are beginning to open. God will use the difficulty of the moment in our culture to cause people to begin to listen that had hardened their heart and closed their ear and closed their eye in the past. Spirit of God, come. God, we pray, Lord, uh, for the generation coming up, Lord, give us evangelists for children. Not just young people, not just teenagers. If you have a, if there's a real sense that God has called you to reach children, wave at me just real quickly. Children, there is an anointing for children. You see, 
Because if we don't reach them, uh, we were talking about this as a family just over the last day or two, uh, talking about the future and children. You know, one day when Shekinah gets married and has kids and trying to raise kids in the current climate, when, I mean, they're, they're taking little ones and trying to tell them they can have gender reassignment, all the other just garbage and lies the enemy's doing. We need a revival and reaching our children. God, we pray, God, that you would release. Lord, we pray the heart for the young ones. The Lord says, daughter, you may look at what's in your hand, what's in your life, and say, God, how in the world am I up to the task? How in the world can I face the onslaught of the evil? How in the world can I reach? And sometimes you can feel like I may reach one or two, but God, there are hundreds, there are thousands. What do I do? How do I reach them? But the Lord is saying this, daughter, one, God is going to multiply. You remember the story of the little boy with the two loaves and the fish, or the two fish and the loaves? And it's like the Lord says, God took what that child had, and when he offered it to the Lord, Jesus blessed it. God is blessing what he's put in your life. He's blessing the giftings. He's blessing the anointings. He's blessing your willingness to share what God's put in you. Not only what God's put in you, but to share your story. You see, there's, there's power in the story. And God says, I am blessing it, I'm multiplying it. And not only will you see that God will feed thousands of the younger generation. You know, Brian was talking earlier about, I, I think it was in this context today, but he was talking sometime in the last couple of days about Jesus. I think it was last night. He said, he even said, let the little children come to me. There's something about the heart of Jesus that's reaching out to the children. God, in our sister, and Lord, in this church, would you bring a release? God, let there be a... Uh, overflow of young ones. God, I pray that, Lord, while there's the order of the Spirit, let there be such clamor of little ones that even the religious would say, sit them down and shut them up, and yet the church is going to say, come on, let them come up. God, let there be, uh, let the, oh, no, Kim was talking about birth. It was in the nation. But how many of you know that when there's birth, there's noise and there's mess? God, would you let victory become a mess of dirty diapers? A mess of young ones, not just in the natural but in the spiritual. Lord, because souls are being birthed into the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you. Kim. And sis, I, what I saw, I, I looked at you and I heard the Lord almost sing-songing a word. He said, he kept calling you his teacher, his teacher, his teacher. I believe that he is going to cause you to have that anointing of the Lord to teach even young ones. And you are going to see God come through you in such a way that it changes their hearts and their lives forever. The Lord says, do not think that you're not up to the task. You will have the words of the Lord come through your mouth. The Lord is saying, my teacher, my teacher. That's why they heard, and he did it so possessively, my teacher. And the Lord says, you are his. Never forget that. And he is on this journey with you and this adventure with you. And you will see that teaching anointing coming out of your mouth to reach a multitude of little ones. I saw you, and I saw his children. They started being drawn to you. But the children that I saw, at least in the vision, they seemed broken. 
they seem to almost have gaping holes inside of them. And I saw as Jesus himself started handing you what looked like the first aid kit. And he was handing you the right tools at the right times. And at first, you didn't know what to do because you didn't know how to do this. Even if you had the right tools, you didn't know how to help them in the ways that they needed to be helped. But I saw as Jesus, he started whispering the directions of what he needs you to do as he handed you the tools one at a time right as you needed them. I want those of you standing here to lift your hands to the Lord, if you will, please. God, let there be a fire of evangelism. God, let us burn for souls. Do you remember, um, uh, was, was it Rachel? Who was the one? The child said, give me souls or I die. Give me, give me children or I die. Give me children or I die. God, let us so desire to see, Lord, souls birthed into the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you. And the Lord says, those that everybody else said, I, they are lost. It's like God says, I'm sending you to some that others have tried over and over and over. In fact, God says, some of the ones I'm sending you to, others have said, it's casting pearl before swine, leave them alone. But God says he's giving you a tenacious faith to believe God can even turn the swine and set them free. So God, thank you that the unlikely are being won into the kingdom of God through him in Jesus' name. The son, I'm putting not only a trumpet in your mouth, I'm putting a sword in your hand. There's the anointing of a warrior in you. And the Lord says, son, I'm going to send you to places that others are going to say and into people's cultures and people's circumstances. Others are going to say, you know what, that's too difficult. They're not going to receive you. They're not going to like you. You're not going to fit in. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb. And the Lord says, know this, that it's going to be the, the, uh, the, the, um, a presence of God that's going to cause people to look at you. It's not going to be the color of your skin. It's not going to be your height. It's going to be the presence of God. It's going to be the presence of God. And the Lord says when people come to you, God says you're going to arise and declare only the name of Jesus. But there's an anointing of a trumpet and a sword to declare the word of the Lord even to places that are under old ancient uh, strongholds of Satan. God says, son, I'm sending you in to set not just individuals' feet, but even whole people groups and cultures are going to see breakthrough. So the Lord says, son, step by step, day by day, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but God says as you're faithful what I put in front of you now, God's going to multiply it for his purpose and his kingdom. Father, we pray that you would release the heart for souls. God and those, Lord, that um, God, those who have been bound are coming into freedom. The Lord says, son, you know what it is to live a life that has been in the bondage of the enemy, but then to be set free by the presence of God. And the Lord says, son, there's a gentleness of the Spirit of God in you to tell those in bondage, because some that are in bondage, some that are in addictions, um, they're just used to being told, stop that, stop that, you got to quit doing that, you're in sin. But God says, there's going to be the love of God, the kindness of God. The kindness of God. There's something about the kindness of God in you, my brother, that's going to bring people into freedom that have been in years of bondage. So, God, we thank you for the kindness of God bringing deliverance and freedom in the name of Jesus. God, we pray, thank you for innovative ideas. You see, the church has tried to lean on the methods of the past for winning souls. And sometimes what God needs to do, especially not just for a younger generation, but a whole culture, 
culture that is no longer stuck in yesterday's thinking. And the Lord says, not everybody has understood or appreciated your ideas and the ways that you've tried to do things in times past, in places past. But God says, I'm reawakening creative thinking. I'm reawakening ideas and plans. I almost want to say spiritually entrepreneurial. To think outside the box when it comes to ways of reaching a generation that's been disenfranchised. So God, release the ideas of the kingdom of God. Lord, even in that heavenly realm, what it means to reach out and touch. Father, we thank you. Kim, Shkana. I saw as chains were being wrapped around you. Almost, it seemed like every time that you were trying to push through to do what the Lord has told you to do, it seems like chains just kept wrapping around you. And I saw, in this vision, it seemed like they were wrapping around your throat where you're almost feeling suffocated. And I saw as Jesus himself, he got scissors and he cut off the chains one by one. And all of the chains that were wrapping around so tightly around you, they started crumbling to the floor. Lord, not only walking in freedom, but bringing that freedom. Father, we thank you. Josiah, one of the unique things is this. Um, when, I, when I looked at you, I saw a, a buffet of all different types of foods. And you were not just eating from the buffet. It's like you had been one that had known how to prepare a multiplicity of different types of foods on the buffet. I said, Lord, what in the world is this saying? I believe, this is what I'm sensing, is this. You have seen and you have tasted of the myriad of ways that God can move. You have smelled the aroma of the presence of God. You have seen, participated in, watched, applauded, and even been used in preparing so many different things. There is period evangelism. There's provision. There's prophetic. There's power. There's presence. There's all these other things. And all enmeshed in the gifts God has given you, your personality, your style. I know in the natural course, some of the natural things and movies and production, all that. And, and what I sense the Lord saying is this, son, I'm not going to allow you the luxury of being a one-dimensional man. Many people want peace because this one thing I do. But the Lord seems to be saying, and please test it out. Son, you may have certain dimensions that are mainly defining where you're going, but God says you're going to be able to pull out the prophecy when it's needed. You're going to be able to pull out the deliverance when it's needed. You're going to be able to pull out the healing when it's needed. The Lord says, son, do not forget the aroma and the flavor and the delight of the banquet of God's spirit. So the Lord says, son, I am bringing not only, and again, I know in the natural, the training and the difficulties and COVID and all that other stuff and not being there. But the Lord seems to be saying this, son, it's not just going to be the training of the mind because I have put and am putting not just your natural and spiritual parents who are your spiritual parents in your life. God says, I'm putting spiritual parents and big brothers and sisters in your life that are going to call forth different aspects of you. Even if you can't get the natural in-class training of some of the things you desire, it's like the Lord says, there's going to be a catching of the Spirit. You've heard the phrase, more is caught than taught. I sense the Lord saying, son, open your spirit like a little hungry. The picture I keep getting is a hungry bird with its mouth wide open. The Lord says, son, you hunger and thirst after me, and I will bring 
the filling of each of these expressions. So God, we thank you. There will be creative ways. There will be ways of reaching not only an individual, but God, whole groups of people at one time. So Lord, we pray for that release. Kim. Before Russ started prophesying, the Lord kept speaking to me. And actually, I've been, been feeling this for you actually for a while. The Lord says, I am going to hone the creative evangelism in you. It's not just going to be to an end to itself. But I watched as the Lord himself opened up doors that you never even thought of before. I mean, some doors that were very, very unique, and some even were offended at them. But I watched as God opened up these doors, and the Lord says, for the purpose of evangelism, for the purpose of bringing souls into the kingdom, and to see those souls raised up on their feet, a mighty army in love with Jesus. But the Lord says, the creative evangelism, know that I'm going to use you in some ways people will not understand. But watch and see if I will not cause souls to come in as you obey me and go forth in very unique ways as I've called. We're going to continue to pray. We're going to pray for the whole church. Thank you for hanging with us for a moment. Is there somebody that you feel that God has given a promise of financial abundance for a very sing simple purpose, a very singular purpose of financing the Great Commission? Is anybody that there's been a sense of God saying, I want to release financial abundance. Yes, he loves to bless you, but very specifically, not to give to Russ Klein, no, but to finance the work of evangelism. Does that make sense to anybody? Okay, a couple of you right here, over here. I really want to pray. Brian was hearing from the Lord earlier when he was talking about, uh, about abundance, about finance and breakthrough. I want us to believe that God's going to do something that's not just going to be promotion, but God's going to do things that are going to bring um, open windows, open heavens of abundance. Um, it might be entrepreneurship. It might be ideas. It might be inventions, but God's going to blow on that. Would you stretch your hands toward these, uh, the couple here, these, these two as well, and we're going to pray. And if God has spoken that to your heart, God wants to bring abundance. Yes, he loves to bless us. Yes, he loves to take care of his pastors and prophets, all that. But there got to be those who will finance the work of evangelism in this nation and to the nations. Um, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, God multiplying the food earlier, even as you feed. God wants to do something where this house becomes a house of abundance, but it's not spent on beautiful buildings alone. It's not spent spent on just having, uh, you know, fancy coffee bars. It is spent. It's almost like the Lord seems to be saying, and I offer this to you as a house. God says, I will make you a house of abundance, but will you let it be abundance that will be released to the needy? Release. I, 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 I really hear in my spirit out of uh, the, the book of Acts, the early church, they had all things common. It wasn't communism. It wasn't socialism. It was driven by the love of God, not by governmental authority. And God blessed them. Why? Because they gave. I am convinced of this, that because the church has failed to take care of those in need around us, those in need are now looking to the government. God put such abundance in your people with such a heart of giving that God has supplants any spirit of socialism trying to come into our nation. Because we don't need a government picking our pocket. We need God telling us and causing us to release the abundance that you've given. So, Lord, release abundance. Father, we thank you. Lord, 
seeds through the years, seeds through the generations. I don't, I don't understand this fully, but it's like I see a seed in the decades, the seed of the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and 90s. It's like the Lord says, there have been seeds of not only prayer, not only belief, but even of sacrifice. There have been seeds that you have been willing to sow for those in need. Some of it was specific evangelism, but it was just for people in need. It's because gave you, God gave you a heart. There was a season of abundance, and you wanted to be able to release more than you were allowed to release. But the Lord says, daughter, even in that time when you wanted to release more than you were allowed to, I saw your heart. And God says, based on what was in your heart to be able to do not just what you did but what you wanted to do what was in your heart to do God says based on that watch because the seeds of the decades are not to bug got to come together and a tsunami of harvest a harvest of abundance to do what to minister the heart of God the love of God in practical tangible ways that are going to bring people face to face with a God of love a God of compassion and a God who will set them free and give them life. So God, you see the seeds of our heart and the seeds of the natural. God, we pray they come together, Lord, into that flood of abundance for the harvest in Jesus' name. God, for your purpose and your kingdom, oh God. Lord, we thank you. The Lord seems to be saying this, son, I'm going to show you where the treasures of tomorrow are today. You see, there are people that are future thinkers. Some people are copycats. They look at what's happening right now. You know, right now, there's silver, there's gold, there's cryptocurrency. A couple years ago, there was, you know, Iraqi dinar. There was all sorts of things. People were trying to get rich on everything else. The Lord seems to be saying this to you. Son, I'm going to show you tomorrow's gold mine today. Prophetic people, revelational people are called to be a step ahead. So the Lord says, son, some will say to you, well, why aren't you doing it this way? Why aren't you investing in that? Why aren't you working in that? Why aren't you opening this kind of business? Why aren't you doing this? And I, I sense the Lord saying, be careful, son, that you don't let well-meaning people waste your time and waste your resources. But God's going to show you where tomorrow's breakthrough is coming and you're going to get in on the ground floor. You're not just going to get in on the ground floor. You're going to help open those opportunities for other believers. So, Father, we thank you. That, God, it's more about revelation. Yes, we do our due diligence. God, we do all that stuff. But, God, it's going to be heavenly revelation that opens the treasure chest of tomorrow for tomorrow's harvest. So, God, we thank you. And the Lord says, I'm cutting off the curse of yesterday of lack, even from the past. Generations, all that other stuff, and I'm bringing you into the promise that I had given them. And I don't understand this fully, but it's almost like there was the promise of abundance in the past, but generations in the past ran after riches instead of the godly things of riches. And the Lord says, son, you're not going to be penalized for that. I'm starting new and fresh with you. So, Father, we thank you for the abundance of God, for the harvest of God. Father, we thank you. Go ahead and just press in with us for a moment, congregation. God, we thank you. Lord, as we just continue to minister, we'll come back over there in a second. Father, we pray. God, the, 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 the anointing for souls. God, the anointing for evangelism. God, you would give us understanding 
uh, Lord, those, those caught in discouragement, depression. Uh, I, I just see soulish darkness, despondency in people, and yet you bringing them joy. I see people that are on the verge of just taking themselves out. And the Lord said, I'm going to use you to bring a word of hope to the hopeless. And you're going to see people not only saved spiritually, but saved even from self-harm and self-destruction. Father, we thank you, God, for the heart for those, Lord, that are in destruction. God, we pray that you would release the heart of the, of the Lord. There was such an anointing on you. I tell you what, I looked at you, and I, I said to the Lord, I don't know why these words came out of my mouth, but it was like, little sis, little sis. And the Lord says this, I'm going to put some people in your life that are going to be shining examples, shining examples of how to be an evangelist, how to reach out here, how to reach out there. And the Lord says, I gave you such a heart, a heart to reach out to those that are hurting and broken and why Watch and see if I will not cause my words to flow out of your mouth. But it's not going to be in the big limelight or the spotlight. You are going to go into places that other people don't even want to go a lot of times. And you are going to have the word of the Lord. You're going to be walking and it's going to actually hit you at times that you are not expecting it at all. And yet the word of the Lord comes out. And I believe some prophetic words of the Lord will draw their attention. Even as it comes through you, you will know something about somebody's life. And it grabs their attention in your able to share Jesus with them. Watch and see if I will not cause in you, cause in you a new rising of the Holy Spirit and speaking out the words that he's giving you and a new boldness inside. But little sis, look for those moms and dads in your life that you will be able to have an example to see, to see what will happen as you surrender everything to Jesus. Go ahead and just stretch your hands for those that are here. We're going to continue to pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you. I, I'm, I'm trying to see exactly what the Lord's showing. I, it's almost like the Lord says, God's going to use your unorthodox personalities, your unorthodox ways to reach people that don't have any real respect for God or church. It's not the only ones you're going to reach. But somehow, there are those that have been so burned, so hurt by those that claim the name of Jesus, that it's going to have to be more than churchy-sounding words. It's going to be, have to be, I, the word I keep hearing is fiercely practical evangelism. It's not going to be a bunch of religious gobbledygook. It's not going to be, you know, high-sounding things. It's going to be real, in your face. And I keep hearing the word raw. I don't know the kind of people God's taking you to, but it's going to take some raw truth. Some Christians, they're so scared to talk about certain subjects, but God says, I'm giving you people that are royally messed up. But... God sees a treasure when men see trash. And you're going to redeem treasures out of trash. So God, thank you. And God, give them patience. Lord, to know that, God, it may take days, weeks, months, years. But Lord, there's purpose. 
And when I was talking about fiercely practical, it's not only meeting them in fiercely practical ways, but it's like the Lord says, "There's going to you're going to be casting demons out of people. You're going to be doing some of these kind of things, but it's not going to be with a lot of yelling, screaming, hollering, and religious jumbo, mumbo jumbo. It's going to be just speaking the word. So God says, son, daughter, it's going to be in simplicity. Sometimes it's easy to say, well, I'm so simple. I don't have all these deep things. God says, son and daughter, I'm, talk, I'm, I'm releasing the simplicity of Jesus through you. So, Father, we thank you. And, and God is cutting off words. I, I don't, words of leaders of the past that tried to destroy your sense of, of worthiness in God to do anything. There were those in your past that were supposed to be fathers and leaders and these kinds of things, but it almost became manipulation. And when you wouldn't serve what they wanted, they, they tried to shut down. But you know what? We forgive. We let go of all that. And that no longer is your identity. So, Father, they're released in you. <laughs> to Lord, bring treasures to God. The one thing that I had heard is this. The Lord says it's time to let go of the disappointments. There's some disappointments that have hung like shadows over you and tainted even some of the, the joy at times because you were disappointed in some things and some ways that things turned out. And God says this, let the disappointments go today and let the joy rise up. Even though you did not understand everything, the Lord says, I will bubble up my joy in you and you will see the path once again with clarity, no longer the shadow of the disappointment. For you especially, I saw the Lord, I heard the Lord say to you, I will do the promises I told you I will do. I have not forgotten them. Father, we thank you. Would you lift your hands to the Lord congregation? I want us to pray for the spirit of evangelism upon all of us. Father, we thank you. In fact, stand up one more time. We're going to turn this back to pastor here in just a moment. But God, we pray. Lord, as we're believing here, God, there is an anointing. God, that um, I'm reminded of that scripture. Unless the seed falls on the ground and dies, Understand some of what you thought would happen, some of what you were convinced was what God led you to do, and it did not come about with a harvest. The Lord says it may look dead, but God's bringing it back to life. In your own personal life, in your own personal sowing, in your own personal praying, in your own personal efforts, that which looked dead, God is bringing back. It's almost like the whole Lazarus story. Everybody said, you know what, you don't even talk about it because that stinks. It was of the past and it stank. But God says, watch, because new life is coming. And those things that you were promises, you knew they were promises. And it's been confusing. But the Lord says, watch, because I'm going to resurrect those things. God, we thank you. The abundance of the Lord for the harvest of souls. One thing that was very interesting, I've never been to your home, but I was watching, seeing your home in a vision, and the Lord says, I'm going to cause it to be a house of evangelism. I don't know exactly what that means, if some people are going to come through or what, but I see you sharing the heart of Jesus. It's like breaking bread with them. It's like sharing Jesus with them. And the Lord says this, that your home will become a house of evangelism. 
Lift your hands to the Lord congregation, if you would. Thank you all for pressing in with us. In a moment, we're, we're going to pray for that spirit of evangelism, the Holy Spirit. In fact, you remember, the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost to empower us to be witnesses. In Acts chapter 4, they were already witnesses, but you know what? They were threatened. Be silent. Do you know what? The, our culture is trying to cancel us. But the answer was they got filled with the Holy Spirit again. The answer was the house was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and boldness and spoke with boldness. So lift your hands if you would and ask God to give you a fresh filling. Ask God to shake us. So God, shake your house. God, fill us with the fire of the Holy Ghost. That, God, we would be a witness. That, Lord, we would give our lives. That, Lord, by signs and wonders and miracles and prophecies and love and food and cutting somebody's grass and giving a cup of cold water in Jesus' name and feeding those who are hungry and befriending those who are enemies of the cross. God, give us the power of your Holy Spirit to lean in the window of somebody we've given food like they did the other day and share Jesus, cast out devils, heal the sick, prophesy the word of the Lord. God, it's not one flow, it's one stream alone, but God, the wholeness and fullness of your Holy Spirit flowing through your church. They're bringing in the harvest. So God, in Sarasota, Lord, for this church and God for America, give us souls. May 2021 be a year of souls. God, may we see so many people saved that God, the very character of Christ, will turn the direction of this nation. God, let it not just be legislated. Yes, we pray for righteous laws. But God, give us a heart change in America that will cause us to have a, an awakening again. And may we, your people, arise in the fullness of your spirit. So God, we declare again, we decree again, kingdom of God come. Will of God be done in my life, my family, my sphere of influence, my church, my city, and God in my nation and in the nations of the earth. May the glory of the Lord come upon your people, even in the midst of great darkness. And may kings come to the brightness of our dawn. Jesus, be glorified in and through our lives. God, take what is shared in your presence as we worship. As word goes forth, as revelation goes forth. And God, let it be added to what you've already done. And then continue to add day after day, moment after moment as we live in your spirit until we become the full expression of Jesus on earth. Lord, we love you. We honor you. And God, we seal the word and work of the Lord over our lives. Lord, there may be those here tonight that need physical healing in their bodies. Your presence releases healing. God, release healing. God, release healing. Release deliverance. God, we don't have to wait for a specific prayer about a specific need. In your presence is fullness. And so, God, we reach out in faith and grab a hold of your fullness at the point of our need. For your honor and your glory, Jesus. Amen.
Guys, it is an honor always, not only to come and preach, prophesy, minister, but just to hang out with you all. We love you so much. Pastor Brian. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Can we just keep you about two more minutes? I know about, about half of our gathering has already dismissed himself, and we understand. Can you just be seated? We want to give an opportunity to sow. I know that we have an offering bucket in the back. If you need an offering envelope tonight, again, we just want to sow honor tonight. If you need an offering, do I have ushers? If you need an offering envelope right now, lift your hand high. Or if you want to, if you want to sow online, you can go to victoryfla.com. VictoryFLA, those of you online that would like to sow into the Kleins ministry, you can do that right online where you go down the tab where it says, um, honey, does it say guest minister? Is that what it says on the tab? Guest speaker. Thank you, guest speaker. You can give there, and, and every dollar of these gifts will go, every bit and more will go to the Kleins so those of you online, thank you for being with us. If you'd like to sow that seed, go to victoryfla.com. Go to the giving page, and then you can give right there at guest speaker. And we're excited to bless the clients. What a great night. So much being released by the Lord. Very, very special gifts being released tonight in the house. Very special. Thank you, Lord. So good. So good. It was your first night here. That's a pretty good first night for you, wasn't it? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father, may miracles be released through these offerings, through these seeds. Miracles. In Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, go right ahead. Thank you so much, every one of you, for sowing tonight. You're under no pressure to. Ushers, please. Are, do we have ushers moving? Oh, we, oh, we're just doing the usher, the offering bucket in the back? Okay, so we've got a new plan. All right, and Philip, if you'll just be at the door. Bob, why don't you go to the door too? And uh, you're, you, don't be afraid to walk past them. You're under no pressure or obligations. You know, we're not the church that locks the doors and... You, you've got to, so, you know, who, who's going to give a 1000 tonight and 1500 who, who's going to give 1000 25000 25 We don't do that here. Listen, it's been a beautiful night. It really has. A very special night. God is so good. I've loved tonight. For those of are we still online, Nathan? Yeah, for those of you online, thanks for being with us. We love you. We bless you. And I also know that these, these messages carry on a life of their own. And uh, they, they go to places that we, we never dreamed. So uh, for those of you that may see this in two, three, four weeks from now, a month from now, we bless you. Amen. Let there be a fresh anointing, fresh impact in Jesus' name. Russ and Kim, love you. Hey, buddy. All right. All right. Amen. Amen. The sheep are just wandering through the pastures. We're good. This is a good pasture to roam through. Russ, love you. Just just love you. Kim, love you. Shekinah, love you. Just um, love our friendship. Thank you for loving the body. Thank you for loving the bride. I'm so impacted. Personally, I'm so impacted tonight. Things that God has spoken to me about. 
you know, concerning ministry, perspective, a lot of good things. Yeah, a lot of good things that I'm going to be praying through. Amen. And making adjustments in my own life, in my own ministry. God is good. God is good. It's good that I wasn't it, Renee, Maria. <laughs> hey, we love you guys. Are you waiting for a final benediction? <laughs> Russ, have you heard that? You know, when the Pope, you know, walks out, and one day the camera was able to get up really close to see what he was actually saying, and turns out he was saying, hey, you kids, get off the lawn. Amen. Love you guys. Good night, everybody. Good night to all of you online. Be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com or download the Victory FLA app.